This is Only We Matter Podcast with Jacqueline and Brandon, bringing generations together. Welcome back to Only We Matter Podcast with Jacqueline and Brandon, and we hi. are... Hi. Hi. Good to see you today. Jacqueline almost didn't make it today because her computer was dying. And so we are we are so happy. We are so happy uh, that you could join and uh, be a part of this conversation that that uh, we have coming up with with Jamie Grace. Um, we've talked about um, mental health a bit in, in some previous episodes and, and feel free to go back and listen to those if you want. Um, and so it's an important issue for us uh, here at Only We yes. Matter, partially because of the generational gap between mental mental health and mental awareness, mental health awareness um, that we 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 feel like is there. And so um, we're mm. we're excited to bring this back with someone who has been battling this since they were very young uh, in different types of disorders and and learning to do this within what I think is intriguing too is like someone with a mental health disorder and probably many people do who are in the public eye and in in the especially entertainment industry or just a public figure in general and how 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 they're dealing with mental health in center stage in the spotlight and so um that that feel i feel like for me like i'd mentioned this before um in in a previous time of uh we talked about depression in men and stuff like one of my most anxious moments of my week is getting ready physically for sunday like physically dressing up for Sunday. So we talked, we had an episode called church clothes or something, but um, yeah, I talked about, I know. you should have listened to it. I know I should have, but it's, uh, <laughs> but it's exactly that. Like I get so anxious about what I wear on stage and now on camera, which is like a completely different ball game for me uh, because of the pandemic. And so it's like, Oh, I need new clothes. I need, I need different things. And so uh, it's not just you need new clothes. Cause you're on a zoom camera. No, not zoom camera. Like I've been on uh, YouTube live and, and uh you need new clothes yes you need to wear different things anyway um so and but it doesn't just cause like a little bit of a little bit of stress but like like i cannot make a decision at some points where where Mm. i i'm i'm late getting in because i can't decide what to wear um and so i have to get my wife to just say what 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 do i do here uh, which is always a, a good fallback to ch- let your wife choose anyway. But uh, yeah, but the like an- anxiousness that I feel is what I've had to battle with. And so I'm excited to hear from mm-hmm. from her her about her work and her book, uh, Finding Quiet, as well. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, I've been following Jamie Grace for a while, and uh, I met her about three years ago, and uh, at a at a conference. Uh, con- at a concert and uh, we made a nice connection and I hope she remembers me. I doubt it because it was three years ago, but it would be great if she remembered me. I mean, that would just make my day. Woo-hoo. So let's, uh, you know, fingers crossed on that. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to hold out too much hope on it. But anyhow, uh, yeah, I'm excited to just talk about Jamie Grace's journey her journey in finding quiet, her journey in mental health. I mean, this girl has some significant diagnoses. I mean, it's not just one. It's, I think she's got like three is what I'm picking up on. Think she even says at some point somewhere, she's a bit greedy. She just wants it all. But I'm, I'm excited to talk with her. I'm excited to hear her story why she wrote the book, like why now, and uh, and just some of her practical 
uh, suggestions, her strategies of how to find joy, how to find quiet, how easy is it, some of her struggles, because I think some of the things that she's going to talk about uh, are not just for her generation, not just for yours, Brandon. I think they are generational issues mm -hmm. um, that we can learn from. So I'm really excited to hear from her on how she's going to address that. Christian recording artist Jamie Grace was diagnosed with anxiety at 11 years old, as well as Tourette's syndrome, obsessive compulsive disorder, and attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. In her new book, Finding Quiet, My Journey to Peace in an Anxious World, the Grammy-nominated recording artist opens up about her lifelong struggles with mental illness and her dependence on Christ to help her discover moments of silence in an otherwise noisy world. Jamie, welcome to Only We Matter podcast. Thank you all so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks, Jamie, for coming on. And uh, we met, actually, a couple of years ago at an outdoor conference in Alberta, Canada here called No Greater Love. And you were amazing at that conference. Oh, um, thank you. Yes, I do remember you going on stage, and I remember you just joining in, and you were so friendly to me, and uh, I just really appreciate that. You weren't inhibited. You just like came up and talked, very approachable, and so uh, I, I'm excited to talk to you about your book because that was just a really great springboard for me. Oh, thank you so much, and yeah, that, that event was awesome. Um, I am obsessed with Canada. I love it so much. Um, that show was amazing. It was great to meet you there. So I, one of our, like, we, we want to go to Chicago after the pandemic, but then after Chicago, we really want to go to Canada because my husband has only been once and our daughter's never been. So, um, so thank you. We, we love No Greater Love and we love Canada a whole lot. Oh, thanks. Really great plug. And that was not intended. <laughs> <laughs> Well, congratulations on your new book coming out. Thank it you. just came out in October 13th, uh, 13th is that yeah. correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's great. And tell us about the success of your book so far. Yeah, you know, it's it's crazy. It was actually just, uh, I literally just set this on Instagram, like a solid 30 seconds before you and I started talking today, or, you know, three of us started talking today. I was saying, like, my mind is blown when people are sending, you know, emails or messages and they're saying, like, oh, wow, like, this is really helping me through my anxiety and things like that. I mean, of course, that's, that is the hope that if you put a book out there sharing your journey of like dealing with anxiety, of course you hope it helps somebody. Um, but if it's just, it's crazy to see that it actually is helping people because so often as much as I speak about reminding people you're not alone, you know, everybody goes through this, these kinds of things. I feel isolated and alone sometimes because that's a part of what anxiety does is it kind of can almost take captive of your thoughts sometimes. And so it's been such a huge blessing to hear so many people relating to it and connecting with it. And so, um, yeah, I, I was telling one of my friends, I was like, my hope, my hope for this book is that it becomes the one that you just sit on your bookshelf or the one that a therapist has on their shelf. And when someone comes over and they're talking about what they're going through, I just hope that it's the book that people are like, oh, you know what I think you should read? And, you know, I, I just hope cool. it continues to help people. 
and maybe that answers my 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 next question, which was like you're a recording artist, you have success there, and now now into a different medium, into a into the writing world, into the book world, and and I was kind of wondering why why the jump from music to writing a book. Yeah, yeah, you know it's it's definitely a, a cool venture because sometimes. Sometimes I think songwriters like to write songs because they want to say something really quick and they're like, hey, this is important to me or this was a fun melody or something and they want to get it out there. Um, and I have moments like that. But I also think there is the time like song for songwriters like myself where we have like so much to say, we just like can't be quiet. And so having a book is like the perfect outlet because it's like, ah, it gets to be as long as I want. Like <laughs> I tricked you guys into reading a bunch of my words, you know. Um, so it's a, it's really cool in that way. You know, I, I, I like to have I like that my music is this. I mean, this is quite a cheesy phrase, but I like that my music is very happy-go-lucky and cheerful and things like that. Like that means a lot to me that that it's the wake-up music for a lot of people, um, you know, kind of like the pump-up playlist vibe. And I love that about like I'm honored that that's part of my music. But also, I just totally whacked my computer. Um, but also, like <laughs> occasionally in a lot of my songs, I've like snuck in like some kind of really sad information. But I just put happy music over it. So like nobody knows, like my song Hold Me like literally starts off by being like, my job sucks. I don't have any friends. Yeah. Like it's a really sad song. <laughs> so it's for me, it's exciting to be able to like not hide behind the happy music and be like, hey, guys, I've actually been going through something for a long time and mm. I've been very honest, uh, but I just want to be honest in a totally different way now. So. Cool. I love it. Um, your you. book is called Finding Quiet. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about why it's important for you to tell this story about being quiet. And then we're gonna talk about your successful career, how it accelerated quickly, and how did the successes you found in music and career complicate the noise? Yeah, uh, most definitely. I mean, I. I, I like to acknowledge my childhood a lot and the way that I was raised a lot um, because I really appreciated it and loved it. Still do love my parents. I, you know, like I'm, I'm definitely grown and married and have a kid and I will just go over to their house and eat their snacks and watch their TV just because I like them. Um, and so I, I grew up in just this really safe and loving and crazy home. Like uh, both of my parents are pastors. Both of my parents are goofballs. They are hilarious. They are, they are just the coolest humans on the planet. Um, and so I was always kind of given this like foundation that like, like of just of peace and of quiet. And even when life got really hard, when I was dealing with bullies or, you know, not being invited to birthday parties because I was the pastor's kid and people, you know, thought that was lame or whatever it was. Like I always had this safe place in my home. Um, and then when my diagnosis came of Tourette syndrome and OCD and ADHD and anxiety, when I was 11, that was really hard. Like there's, there's no romanticizing that it was very hard, but I always had this safe place, this, safe foundation and a great place to land when it came to my mom and my dad and my sister. And so that's something that in my early 20s, I lost. Um, and I mean, this sounds a bit dark, but in many ways, it was taken from me um, just because of some of the unhealthy environments that I found myself in. And some of that is because of the entertainment 
you know, stuff or whatever, but also some of that's because of life. You know, when you kind of grow up and you move out and you go to college or you go to a new state or you start road tripping with friends, whatever that looks like, you know, having those different life experiences, the older you get, um, you have to make that choice to either say like, okay, I want to recreate the upbringing that I had that made me who I am, or I want to take those things and learn from them and develop, you know, new habits and new patterns. And um, I think in in the most, in the healthiest of scenarios, it's a mixture of both, you know, because nobody grew up in a perfect home. Um, right. So, so that's definitely what I wanted to do was take the best of how I was raised and implement that into my adulthood and, you know, the things that I wanted to change to, you know, continue to improve our family name for generations to come. But, <laughs> but it didn't happen that way. I was just, I was isolated from my family because of my job. Um, and then I was isolated from my family because of a lot of insecurities about some experiences that I was having or some environments that I was in rather um, that did not hold up to the standard of who I wanted to be. Um, but I didn't have anybody to talk to. I, di I didn't. And I was afraid to talk to my parents because I, mm -hmm. I knew that they were going to be loving and kind, but in the back of my head, I was almost like embarrassed that I wasn't, happy and that I wasn't, you know, satisfied. And um, so just a lot of the typical stuff that 20 somethings face, but then also on top of that, like wanting so desperately to just walk through the doors of a church in a random town to just talk to a pastor, but then being afraid that that pastor would see me and then say, oh, my daughter's a big fan. Can you sign this poster for her? Yeah. So it's like I was dealing with being known and I didn't have anywhere to go. Um, and so this book really is my journey to getting back to the foundation that, 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 that gave me that safety that I didn't have, uh, you know, in, in the earlier part of my twenties, I, I was a newlywed in 2018 and, um, I'm, I'm such a cliche pastor's kid in this way that like, I was like, okay, I'm married. I'm going to get all the marriage books. I'm going to like, I went, I started going to counseling just cause I was a newlywed. And I was like, I've got so much to learn about being a wife. Oh my gosh. I'm such a pastor's kid. And so I was like, I'm going to like get a journal. I'm going to journal like how to be a good wife and all this stuff. And I just, I started realizing that I had so much unhealed trauma from my early 20s and I had so many things that I had pushed down so far um and this book is like is literally like when it says my journey to peace I'm like y'all literally could have like we could just could have just called it Jamie Grace's diary because this is literally just my diary from 2018 to 2019 of how um how I really just was intentional with solitude and with who um honestly just with who God wanted me to be so tell me then, like you, you lost some support systems uh, in different ways, whether it be just growing up or in the industry. Yeah. Um, but what what does like what role does faith have in the midst of mental health? How do you? Right. What's the relationship between those two for you? Right, right. Um, it's so significant. You know, um, I. <laughs> I like to think of it, and I, and I don't like to compare challenges in any way, but just I think the comparison can sometimes be helpful for people that are, you know, jumping into this conversation about mental health and thinking about it in the context of physical health. So if you, you know, were to survive, survive a traumatic car accident or, um, you know, anything that is 
very physically debilitating. Um, you know, I, I have asthma as well. So that's something that like when I was pregnant with my daughter, my asthma got a bit worse. And so the doctor will like, I hope all the time will like sit down with you and be like, Hey, we need a care plan, right? Like we need to know like, who's going to make sure you're taking your medicine. Who's going to make sure you're doing your stretches. If this is like something with your arms or your legs, you know, you've got physical therapy. Um, There's chapels in hospitals for many different reasons, but also because a lot of times when people are dealing with physical ailments, they might say like, Hey, uh, do you pray? We have a chaplain that could come and talk to you. So when we're talking about physical health, there is always some sort of care plan that comes into play. Um, and mental health is should be the exact same way. So um, my spiritual health is a part of my care plan. Um, yeah. I, I want it to be super clear that uh, it's, it's not a, a situation where it's like, oh, if you pray, you don't have mental health problems. Because in the same way that like if someone has a broken arm, maybe God is going to do a miracle, which is super cool. But it's likely that they're going to have to wear a cast and it's not just going to get unbroken because of a prayer um, in that moment, likely. Um, so with mental health, it's the same way. And it's just understanding like prayer and my faith. It's a significant part of my care plan. And it's a part of me learning how to continue to acknowledge truth. Um, in, in the book, there's a poem that I wrote called Truth. And it I don't want to say it's one of my favorites because like, I think I'm a good writer or anything, but it's one of my favorites because it is literally like a part of my daily therapy of acknowledging truth because with mental health issues. And for me specifically, my thoughts can get out of control. And I use the phrase out of control because sometimes it is out of my control. Um, I'll have very negative thoughts. I'll have insecure thoughts. I will have thoughts that make me feel like a bad friend, a bad wife, a bad mom, a bad person and you can have these these thoughts without having any kind of diagnosis but it can get quite magnified when you do have a diagnosis like I do and I had to start learning how to say look it's possible that I won't be able to like just turn these thoughts off like it's that's possible but what I can do is speak truth to myself I can speak truth in my home. Um, one of the main things that I started to do, and this is a bit of a detailed story, but I want to make like, it's like, it's, it's very like, I promise it's like a, in a spiritual way. I know that might sound weird. I'll tell you. So when I like, <laughs> I became, okay, cool. But I became an independent artist when I was 24 and I was not touring like I was, you know, I, I literally, I went and I intentionally sought out solitude, right? I like, I bought this house. I wanted to become a foster mom. So I was like getting ready to be a foster mom. So I, I bought this house. that had a lot of space in it and it was just me in this house all day, every day by myself. There were some symptoms of depression very early on, but I started to go to therapy and I was like, no, this home is going to be a place of solitude, not isolation. So some things that I'd experienced as to like being in the industry were just some things when it comes to my body. Um, I'm a female and oftentimes in entertainment, people talk about your body. So people wanted me to look a certain way or, 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 or be a certain level of skinny, or I dealt with um, some over-sexualization of my body as a black woman by a white man. And so that was really challenging and traumatic for me. 
So what I started doing in my home, the privacy of my home, very much safe. Um, I was not, <laughs> I would just dress like in, if I were going swimming, we'll use that as an example. And that is how I started walking around my home every day by myself as a part of my own therapy. My anxiety every single day told me that I was fat, I was overweight, that this bulge doesn't need to be there, I needed to diet, I needed to be exercising more, I needed to pay more for a trainer, all of this stuff. My anxiety was just tearing me apart, making me feel less than. But what I chose to do is go to the Word of God and speak truth in my home. So when I had oh, those anxious thoughts of, I'm fat, I'm overweight, you're going to yeah. be over-sexualized in the industry because you're a Black woman, which is not true. That's not how all people are. But that is some of the anxiety I was facing because mm -hmm. of the trauma that I had experienced. So when I was having these feelings, I started walking around my home in my swimsuit outfit saying, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God made every curve. God made these hips. God made this body. I love myself. I will be loved one day. I will not be sexualized. I will not be fetishized. I, I spoke truth into my home. And I don't want you to think that the word of God transformed my thinking right away. It did not. There were many days where I was speaking truth out loud and I didn't even believe it. But I just knew that it was truth. And so when I talk about my faith and my anxiety, that's what I mean. It's going on that journey of saying, I am going to speak truth into my home, into my life, into my face, in the mirror, into my body, into my soul. Um, and I'm going to know that even though my mind is saying one thing, I choose to let truth uh, have the final word when it comes to how I'm going to uh, be defined ultimately. That's powerful. Okay, well, that was, uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> and so, like I typically will say when we've just had a really good discussion, that's a wrap. <laughs> and we're good, so thanks for coming out. <laughs> I, I have so many thoughts and mm. questions. And uh, um, I, because we're a generational podcast, I mean, I, the things that you've addressed yeah. um, are not just for your generation mm. or Brandon's generation? Because I think you two are probably still in the same generation, just a couple of years Yeah, apart. yeah. I'm guessing. Um, I am not. <laughs> <laughs> but my generation and the generation before me, uh, we all struggle with insecurities. We yeah. all struggle with those types of um, of outward influences, mm -hmm. if I can say that, yeah. or or negative comments, right? Because we all watch the news or or we're on we watch something from the world. I mean, even if you're reading a book, you can get those types right. of images. Or posting right? any picture Filtered. on social social media at yeah. all. <laughs> exactly. It could just be something, you know, I mean, but anyhow, I just I love that you're addressing this issue, which is generational. Mm -hmm. It is not just for your generation. Yeah. And mm -hmm. and I'm thankful for that because women and men, I mean, I'm not leaving out men because men struggle with all those body issues yeah. and and those, you know, combating those thoughts. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I just think, you know, Satan just loves to get into our thoughts. Mm. He just does and and to to take something that is so 
uh, we're fearfully and wonderfully made, right? God made us the way we are. And to take that and, but did he really, Mm -hmm. but could you do something? Is there, and, and God's saying, but I just love you. Mm. I just love you. That's it. Bottom line. I just love you. And um, so I, I love that you, you talk about, uh, your diagnoses, and you don't have just one because you can't just be simple, right? <laughs> right? I like to tell people I'm very greedy. I'm like, I want it all. <laughs> <laughs> so you were 11, you mentioned, when you got your diagnoses. Yeah. So did you, when you were 11, uh, and you, you did mention a little bit already in our podcast just about how that affected you, but when you got into your teens... And the realization of what what those are right. and how you function, how did you maneuver that? Yeah, you know, uh, for a little bit, I, I kind of didn't uh, because I I I I, uh, I started medication just before I was diagnosed. So, or sorry, okay. two years before I was diagnosed, they I was medicated pretty early. Um, because of the, the ticks and twitches that I had were, were so severe, um, and like physically debilitating with like my arms and my legs moving and, um, sometimes hitting myself. So, um, I, I was medicated very early, even before they knew what it was, uh, simply for the fact of keeping me safe. So from ages nine to 15, I was, I mean, almost just kind of checked out um because i was just on medication so much um and i I really didn't deal with it well and and, you know the months that i would be in between changing medications i was just doing what i could to get by um emotionally i I didn't do a lot of schoolwork and stuff um i just was just it was just a lot of sadness in our home um and that's why honestly i'm just so grateful for my family um my big sister morgan like if we would be out somewhere and kids would be laughing at me because of my tics or whatever um you know i would wear sunglasses in in a lot of stores because a lot of the lighting would like trigger certain tics and stuff so if you know kids were being weird about that my sister never even acknowledged them she would just be like oh my goodness, you won't believe what I was reading in my Nancy Drew book. And she would just like, you know, just talk to me about stuff and just like, just make it fun. Like she just made everything so fun for me. Like even when I was having such a bad day, like my dad and my mom would just always like, you know, they would allow me to feel sad. Like they would just Mm. be like, we know this must be so, so sad. Yeah. Like and they would remind me like, you know, God is with you even when you feel this way. And of course, mm. there were times where I was like, no, he's not. <laughs> and then, you know, they would say yeah. things like, you know, like, we, we don't, we're not trying to change how you feel. We just want you to listen to us. We're just trying to tell you this, you know. And so it, I'm I'm just grateful that I was given a, a place to feel how I needed to feel. But then also just these people in my life that were very actively bringing joy as well. My grandfather brought me a drum set, which turned out to be really awesome for sound for like for like physicality purposes because it's like getting the ticks out like that um, oh cool but hilarious for my parents um they quickly <laughs> had to put like a, a time on it they were like you can't play drums at two o'clock in the morning which uh is kind of funny <laughs> now because my one-year-old has a drum set and i don't really know why i thought that was a great yeah. idea but okay um that's just <laughs> we're just crazy and so I, yeah, I, I was like this, it was this, like this really, I believe healthy 
imagery of Psalm 30 verse 5 that says weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. And it was almost kind of like every day or every hour, it was almost kind of like, are we weeping right now? Or is this joy? Like, and, and God is with us through both. So what is it, you know? Um, but honestly, like when that verse has become, become kind of like an anthem for my life, because honestly, like when I was like 14 or 15, I, I just, I started realizing like, it was like everything that my family had been doing for me for three or four years. I started to realize it for myself. Like, wow, like mm-hmm. I can still have joy, even if everything hasn't worked out the way I wanted mm-hmm. to. Yeah. Like I can still mm-hmm. find joy in other things, you know, even if life is not perfect. Like, no, I do not have healing from my Tourette syndrome But if I never had Tourette syndrome, my grandfather would have never brought me a drum set or he would have never thought to do it. And then three years later, here I am. I can play all of my favorite songs on the drums. So it was almost like I was learning like, wow, I can have joy even in the midst of pain. And then I started like I'm very I can be quite an optimist. I mean, sometimes it might take me a little while to get to optimism. But once I get there, there's no stopping me. And so I started a YouTube channel and I was like, I'm gonna tell everybody about joy. And I was just like doing I was just like, I'm going to be Carol Burnett. No, just kidding. I'm going to be Mahalia (laughs) Jensen. No, just kidding. I'm going to be Sheila E. Like, and then yeah and <laughs> 10 years later we're well, not 10 years what 15 years later here we are me still doing all the things because i fell in love with joy and i just want everybody to know about it <laughs> and i and i know that really resonates with uh with you know whether it be someone who's 11 now and and encountering mm-hmm. some of these issues and 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 maybe you've heard some of those stories of those young girls who have been um going through things and hearing your story and being encouraged by it and and giving some even some practical things to 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 balance it as well even like something like the drums right um but but what would you then what would you say to what advice would you give to someone who's older maybe there's because mental health this the whole world has really opened up in the past several years and 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 someone maybe who's a little yeah and especially someone who's a little bit older who's getting to like what what really is mental health right and maybe hasn't quite opened up yet about it what what advice could you give maybe someone a little older who's just starting to figure out this whole mental health issue problem? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that's an incredible question because like you said, like it's becoming more of a conversation now. And, you know, I've been talking with some older relatives of mine and I've actually had these conversations where I was speaking with a relative that is two generations uh, about like ahead of me. Uh, so like super wise. And they were saying, they were like, I think I might have ticks, Like, you know, like I have these ticks that I do and that makes sense. I'm like, you have a, someone two generations below you that has full out Tourette syndrome. Like, but some of these conversations weren't happening a while ago. And so it's exciting that these conversations are not happening. I think the first thing to do is just, you know, be, be honest with whatever it is that you're feeling, you know, don't, you don't have to shy away from those feelings. Those feelings don't define you, you know, they might not be permanent feelings, but Mm. if you're having those feelings of fear and doubt and security, be honest with them. And then 
find someone who is safe that you can talk to about it. You know, mm. um, like I said, I'm a little bit of an optimist. And so with that oftentimes comes a little bit of a fix it personality. So, which there's a whole chapter in the book about how I need to calm that down. But like, I, like, I'm one of those like sign up for therapy today, you know, but that is, <laughs> that's a little terrifying for some people like that. You know, sometimes people are like, Jamie, like I'll, I'm the kind of person where like, I'll go to a website and like look at all the pictures of the counselors and I'm like, oh, I want to talk to her. I want to talk to her. And then like my friends are like, that's actually really stressful. Could you please like take it 15 <laughs> steps back? Like you're doing too much. Um, so talk to someone who is safe. It might be, you know, like I said, it might be a therapist, but it also might be your spouse, um, a friend, um, but then also like a pastor, um, a small group leader. Um, these are people that are safe that are also going to help you figure out these honest feelings, these feelings that you're having, why you're having them, um, and what is the next step to take, you know? And then even on the note of counseling and therapy, it's not, it doesn't have to be a big scary thing. You know, it's not marriage. Mm -hmm. It's not like, oh, I signed up for this thing and now I have to talk to this person all the time. Um, yeah. It's not like that at all. Sometimes, like marriage. Yeah. Like, because <laughs> like, sometimes people like kind of like get scared. They're like, oh, I got to commit. I'm like, no, when you marry someone, you should like, Try to stay. Well, but that's like, commitment. Yeah, but like counseling, like if you don't like them, you can just be like, oh, my computer broke. Like, it's fine. <laughs> like they they know why you haven't showed up. They'll, they'll be okay. Uh -huh. Counselors have counselors. Um, But even pastoral <laughs> counselors too, like, you know, my parents have talked with a lot of people as pastoral counselors when they're not specifically talking about a diagnosis of, say, depression, but they might mm -hmm. be talking about some symptoms that make you feel depressed. And so- be honest with what you're feeling and then find a safe person with a lot of wisdom um, that you can talk to about it. And sometimes, honestly, that conversation that you have with someone, because I do this too, I'll be like, I need to talk to someone and figure out what to do. And then I'll talk about like some stress that I'm having. And then I talk to them and I'm like, wait, that was it. I needed to talk about it. Yeah. I, I can't, yes. I can't keep these feelings inside. Like last night I told my husband, I was like, I'm having so much anxiety. And he was like, about what? And then I, I ranted about everything for a solid 23 minutes. And then right when I was finished, he was like, so like, what are you going to do? And I was like, honestly, that was all I needed. Thank you so much. Let's go get some mac and cheese. Like I'm fine. So sometimes you just need to talk about it. Yeah. 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 And some people are verbal processors, mm -hmm. right? And that's that's just what you're what you're saying. So I, I got I got more questions for you. One, I want to know it's fairly serious, and then the next one is serious. But this one is um, if you're having one of those anxiety moments right before you go on stage, what do you do? Right before you go on to perform? Yeah. So it's interesting for me because that is probably <laughs> what I would prefer to do every time I'm having really bad anxiety, because mm -hmm. it's just, it is an, again, it's, it might be my personality. It's just this open door to be like, talk about whatever you want. You've got the microphone. So I'm okay. like, Ooh. Um, but yeah, so I, I do love that. But I also, uh, when I, when it's not, when I'm not feeling that way, probably I do have a song that I like to listen to a lot. It's called Garden by Need to Breathe. And the last line of the chorus just says, Father, let my heart be after you. And that mm -hmm. line has just always captivated me in a way that was just like, yeah, that's what I want to do. And so um, that's, that's what I just seek out to do. Cool. 
my very serious question is, there is a sign behind you that says family tacos. <laughs> I need to know how much tacos do your, does your family really eat? Yes. So, okay. So the full sign, it's kind of hard to show in the full frame. The full sign says Jesus family tacos, um, <laughs> which are the only three things that I need in this life. So, um, yeah, it's something I started saying all the time. And then my sister was like, you need to put that on a shirt. So, uh, yeah, we have like signs and shirts and everything. I'm just, I'm literally this, the only three things I need in the world. Jesus family and tacos. Nice. What kind of tacos? Fish? <laughs> oh, I Beef? love fish tacos. I love buffalo chicken tacos. I love chicken tacos. I love street tacos. I love Taco Bell tacos. I love authentic tacos. I like tacos at our house. I like discombobulated tacos after my one year old's gotten a hold of it. I'll still eat it. I love tacos. Okay, I have a question for you about tacos then. Yes. I've been <laughs> I've been listening to uh relevant podcasts quite a bit. And uh, Derek Miner's on there, and they got talking about tacos and hard shell tacos versus soft shell tacos. Are hard shell tacos real tacos or not? So, so I see, yeah. So, as someone that is like, I, you know, hardcore 100%, definitely black, I don't feel like I can totally say if they're authentic or not, but I will say that they're gross. Hard shell tacos are disgusting. <laughs> I love it. And, and I don't think the when I when I go get a street taco from a food truck from someone that has a family recipe, there's nothing to crunch about. So yeah. no, that's gross. I love that because <laughs> I I'm not like a, I like up here up here in Canada like hard tacos are pretty synonymous with tacos, and so uh, like yeah. but I, but no, I don't I don't no, I don't really no. like them at all. Like I and my my wife's like oh yeah no I want hard tacos like no no I I, I need I need yeah. soft tacos like I, I need, mean I want soft tacos I'll I want to squeeze them yeah I'll eat them because it's really hard to get me to turn down anything with cheese but. <laughs> I like I'll eat it and the whole time I'm eating it like I will like tell you like I'll be like hey I'm gonna complain okay and then I'm gonna complain the whole time I'm eating it so you know it is what it is that is so funny at least you give a disclaimer right I feel like I feel like there's definitely something in Galatians about that it's like hey if you say <laughs> <A> disclaimer <laughs> like, yeah no it's like if you're like hey if you say you're gonna complain you can complain <laughs> <laughs> It's fine. Well, it's fine. It's, it's also about being honest. Right. See, right and authentic. Exactly. Honestly. You don't want to lie. When I tell tacos. people that I'm honest, like super honest, like I, I, it gives me so much anxiety to lie. People are like, wow, that's such a beautiful gift. I'm like, no, it's not. Because like, if you'd ask me about food I don't like, I won't shut up about how much I hate it. Like, it's yeah. not a gift. <laughs> I'm really annoying. I'm not going to tell you whether <laughs> hard or soft or better, but I'm just going to say that really. <laughs> Heart tacos are just gross. I know. It's like I'm very opinionated. It's not a gift. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, Jamie, this You're is hilarious. This has been a lot of fun. We don't want to take a ton of your time. Yes. Um, nope. So, uh, Finding Quiet, My Journey to Peace in an Anxious World is out now. Uh, Jamie, where can we find it? Yes. Yeah, so you can go to jamiegrace.com. That's the only place to get a signed copy. Um, so, nice. yeah, so we got you covered. But, like, I'm not going to tell anybody if you just go to Amazon because they're a way bigger company and they move way faster. So I'm not mad. But you can go to jamiegrace.com if you want. <laughs> awesome. Of course, and you're... there's the truth about <laughs> finding grace. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, we are a small business operating in a pandemic. I'm not going to lie to y'all. Amazon will get it to you faster. <laughs> You can sign it yourself. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, Jamie, you've been a wonderful guest. We've loved having you. I've loved reconnecting with yes, you. Yes, yes. Three times, but really, like, the burning question within me is, do you like coffee? 
I like <gasps> I like my husband oh, stop, stop. who likes coffee. <laughs> <laughs> She's gonna be honest, Brendan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Love the smell of coffee. Like my, I grew up, okay, I grew I'll up smelling that. it because my dad would always drink coffee, and now my husband drinks coffee. So there's something like very old fashioned. Like the man of the house is like, oh, I've got my my coffee with my honey. But I ain't gonna drink it as nasty. <laughs> oh, that's perfect. Oh, Jamie, you've been delightful. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank on you guys Only for having me. Matter. Thank you guys so much for having me. Hey, we're trying to build each other up, not ignore each other here on Only We Matter podcast with Brandon and Jacqueline. Thanks for listening. Hit the subscribe button and keep the conversation going. <laughs>